This is Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. My name is Doris Corda, and for the past several years, I've been training educators. Listen to these episodes and hear about some of the extraordinary programs they've created. We call these pioneers the fire starters. See if you can get some ideas that you can implement yourself to change your own practice. In this episode, Dora speaks with Dr. Danielle Bomar. She is a supervisor at Options for Success, a K-12 alternative school program in the Columbus City School District. Hey, Danielle. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I am really fantastic. How are you today? I I am great, and I'm especially great because I'm talking to you. So, Danielle, um, tell everybody a little bit about you and your school. Okay, my name is Danielle E. Bomar, and I am the administrator for the Options for Success program with Columbus City Schools. Uh, Columbus City Schools this year decided to make a new initiative in order to reduce the number of suspensions and expulsions that we have throughout our school district. Uh, The ideology is that kids can't learn unless they're in school. And so we wanted to provide different alternatives for students to be able to still um, do their schoolwork while being redirected for their bad behaviors. So my school is a place for students to be able to come to in order to do just that, receive redirection for the unwanted behavior, but also to re-energize students about education and get them excited about education so that when they go back to their regular schoolhouse, they'll be more focused on that versus the unwanted behavior. So my school, um, we run K through 12, Uh, We have students here from as short as three days to as long as 45 to 50 days. Um, And the reasons why they're um, directed to my school uh, could be from various reasons, from anger management um, to bullying to uh, just making poor choices in the schoolhouse that would have resulted in suspensions and expulsions. So this year, we are focusing, again, not just on the bad behaviors, but being able to redirect those academic changes in students. And so we were looking for different ways in order to, like I said before, excite students about education. So that's where you came in. Yeah. So um, you bravely decided to um, to do a pilot. And, uh, you know, I came in and I trained your, trained your faculty and worked with you guys to do a pilot. And... Um, Talk about uh, what happened. Well, I think we maybe we should start a little bit before that about how I came up to Cleveland to see you and your students at your school. Sure. Um, because that's really where all the magic started. Um, Dr. Klein and Dr. Harris, who are um, educators here with Columbus City School, they're working our um, accountability department. They said that uh, we, again, want to focus on not just changing the unwanted behaviors, but being able to excite the kids about school. So we were looking for something in order to do that. And so they invited me up to meet you, and we got in our cars and drove up to Cleveland. And initially, when I saw the website, um, I thought, oh, no, here's another one of those PDs where we go and hear about something that could never happen in our school district. (laughs) (laughs) Kids that don't look like my kids. And, you know, so I have to admit that when I went, I wasn't 100% on board to drive up. So (laughs) I I am am not surprised. I I understand. Yep. Just to be honest. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) Hawkins school looks a little different from uh, your school. 
Uh, just a tad. <laughs> just a little different, right? <laughs> but what I can tell you, though, is that your kids didn't look different than mine. Kids yeah, are kids. Did. Kids are kids. That's I use that line all the time. It's absolutely true. Yep. And so when I went up to look at this experience, that's what I was looking at. I was listening more to what the kids were saying, probably, than what you were telling me. And what I saw, those kids, what they were able to do um, with their entree class it was crystal clear to me that I could do that same thing with my kids. I might not be able to change the facility, but everyone knows that education is person to person, it's relationship, it's understanding um, what it is I'm trying to teach you, not necessarily what the room looks like that you're in. Yeah, it's about the kid. Exactly. And the teacher yeah. which is the biggest changes that has happened here. Um, we get to talk about um, what is happening here with, um, this program with our school, that's really the biggest change that has happened is with my staff. Um, I'm a excellent. firm believer that teachers, good leaders are good teachers. So when I was sitting there, I was learning everything that I could and talking to you about your program and about the kids in order to bring it back to excite my teachers about changing how they practice education here at our school. And came back and that's where you were starting this question with about um, how you came down and you trained my teachers. You taught my teachers. You taught my teachers a different way in order to look at their lesson delivery that I don't think that they had ever thought about it before. You know, we as educators, we don't tend to teach one another the same way that we teach kids, Yeah. Uh, which means that we do a lot of uh, seminars and people kind of gloss over and then go to the next session. But that's not what happened. You really uh, worked with my staff. You got to know them. You got to know me. You got to know what our parameters were in, in uh, relationship to schedules, um, in relationship to strength of teachers. Um, and also what my, um, you know, I'm on a non-traditional school um, kind of calendar. So I have students, like I said, coming in and out for short right. periods of time and long periods of time. And you work with me for a pilot in order to decide which kids were the best kids Best kids meaning period of time that they were here, not academically, but period exactly. of time in which they were here, which would be the best in order to run a pilot. And then how to also embed it into my school, because uh, we looked at my teachers and who were my um, strength and um, strength teachers and who were my teachers that, you know, maybe needed to actually see it before they believed it. So needed right. to um, have that extra time in order to go over the materials and have their other peers be able to help them after they've gone through the pilot the first time. And so I think that the strategy on how we rolled out the whole program to my teachers um, was what was instrumental in us having the success that we had. So yeah, that's kind of how we got started. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and just to, you know, you bring up a really important point. Every school is unique. Doing something like this, and even uh, when it's really successful, if it isn't something that really comes from the teachers and is mm -hmm. embraced by the teachers, in, um, then it's not going to have any lasting impact. Mm -hmm. And what you just described is, is a really important part of this. If we're talking about systems change, we're talking about changing the way we do school. And, and that means you have to think about all this stuff. You have to understand how teachers work, how schools work. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the teachers that you referred to who were the first ones to do the pilot, those pioneers are the ones who are excited about 
giving it a try. And it doesn't mean they're better or different in as teachers. It just means um, their game for trying it and doing something very different with their students, which I think is is really exciting. It's exciting um, when you work with teachers who are excited like that. And I think really it's the administrators. So at my school district, we're a large school district, and we get the opportunity to have a lot of initiatives um, and a lot of grants come by our way. And the administrators sometimes, um, when they get these charges, I'll call them charges because they're directives in order to roll out these programs. If the administrator doesn't believe in it, then they're going to present it that way to the staff, and they're going to present it that way to the kids. So I think that the first step um, when thinking about doing this program is to get the right administrator that believes in the program, that believes in change, and them having that attitude to take it towards their teacher. I've been reflecting upon me and you just got that great email, right, from our superintendent? Yep. And I read it very carefully. And what he had said in that email, he had spoke to, now we need to go and find other great leaders in our district in order to put your program through. He didn't say we need to find great schools or we need to find great kids. He said you need That's to find right. great leaders in order to be able to be just as excited and just as dedicated and they can excite teachers. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. So then then what happened? So you went, you came up to Cleveland, you decided, okay, it is, it could work with my kids and my teachers. Yes. So I brought it back to my team. And honestly, the next thing that we did uh, before I even contacted you, I sat down with them and I said, let me know what you guys want to do. Do you want to do something different or do you want to continue to do what you've always done and get the same results that you always have? And, you know, a lot of the things that we did in order to implement the program was, a you know, outside of contract. You know, when it came to time and training, et cetera. And I said, you know what? We don't have to do this, but this is what it's going to require in order for us to get better. And every single one of them, when I put it to them that way, that this is a choice and we're either going to go into this and we're going to make it a success or we're not going to start it at all because we're not going to cut off these beautiful edges off of this program to make it fit in a watered down version to fit into what we're doing. Like a lot of other mandates, we're going to follow the formula and get the success. They all said yes. And so right after that, I called you up and you were a super rock star and you drove down here and trained team up. And then I, you know, I did what I said I wasn't going to do. They asked for support. You gave them support. They asked for time. I built time into the schedule. They asked for um, reflection afterwards, being able to have the time in order to do more than one pilot. So we actually committed to two when we committed to one because we realized the first one would be a rough draft. And even if it was successful, we committed to saying, you know what, we're going to study what we did and we're going to give this at least two rollouts before we decide whether we're going to do it yes or nay. And so um, they committed and we moved forward immediately, immediately. So, and actually I came up in October and we committed in October. So it was pretty quick, but it was about, they wanted to change. They wanted something different. And I was blown away by, obviously by you to, to begin with, by your administration in Columbus city and also by your teachers. Win, win, win. Mm -hmm. Everybody was all in and very excited. And then and then the way um, all of you embraced with vigor the pilot itself, mm-hmm. which is a really tricky thing and requires, uh, it's a completely different way of teaching. 
And it requires a lot of, a lot of work to do it first early on because it's new. So maybe can you talk a little about what it took for the teachers to do it? What was, um, what kinds of things these methods mean for a teacher? So the, the funny thing about, in my experience as an educator, is that being um, a teacher, the first day you start school, you've already had at least 15 years on-job training from you yeah. sitting and being a student. And so when they have that idea, and that idea that how they were taught was very different than the program that you presented to them. So then you take that plus what they learned in college and what they learned in college, how to be teachers with the straight lines and I'm the giver of all knowledge, that I had that idea. So I had to pretty much chisel down for even my rookie teachers about 15 to 20 ways of doing something wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's all of that's why the training is, as you said earlier, that's why what I do is I'm teaching them uh, by having them experience the experience, this yeah. kind of learning themselves. Exactly. And the idea that they are students too. When they leave a classroom, they should learn just as much from their kids as their kids is learning from them. And right. so it's, it's a totally different mindset on how to teach. And I have to tell you, even though the pilot is over, um, it has changed how we assess our learning here at the school. We had just did a PD here on the difference between tests and assessments of learning. Ah, and we went love through, it. Yes, we went through different um, examples and I had to, we had conversation on what is that? For example, your state driving test, is that a test or is that an assessment of learning? Why or why not? And then we had those conversations and about like, if you were the teacher giving someone their state driving test, would you be testing them or do you want to assess their knowledge? Exactly. You know, what does it look like? You know, we, we never had those conversations before. Our school is broken up into pretty much two halves academically. We do micro education and macro. So with our micro, we study a lot of the students' test scores when they come here um, from their various schools. And that could be anything from map testing to OGT testing to Plato testing, whichever format in whichever school district you're from, you, you know you have your test scores. And so we take that. And then we work on gap closing. So we look for um, incidents or uh, if there's some kind of component or curriculum standard that they're missing during their time here from the three to 45 days, we narrow in on that and try to close as many gaps as possible during that time. So sure. that's like the pro. But our macro focus is the whole why. And that's why a lot of students end up in my program is because they don't understand the why. They just go and they follow the rules because the teachers say so. But they're not excited about what they don't understand the connection, how this is all going to come together. Yeah. And so this program really was now a part of our why. So when the students every time now in my classroom, now that the pilot's over, they, my teachers understand the importance of telling the students why. Why are you learning polynomials? Not just because I'm telling you so, but how right. in real life or how when we get our next business challenge, will you be able to use this information? That's what the conversations are happening now after our first pilot. When they're teaching them new things, my teachers are saying, well, next time when we get our next problem, you'll be able to do X, Y, and Z because you're learning this now. And so now they understand that, oh, my goodness, okay, I, I now know why. That, and that why is what's been so important. So it's changed how, how our standard order of business, how we do things around here has changed. 
It's interesting what you're saying. So I, I got, as you were talking, I remembered um, one of the earliest days of the pilot. I was um, there for, there. I was there for the morning and I was with one of the students. It may have been the second day and he needed, he had some questions um, mm-hmm. and it was very clear that he had never done any research before. I mean, mm-hmm. any. And the, back to your why. Uh, first, he was, he knew that he had a, a goal, which is that he wanted to solve the problem that this business had given him. He'd never been given a real problem to work on by a real person outside the school. He wanted to, and he had none of the skills to do it. And mm-hmm. I remember that very first time when I asked him things while sitting next to him as he looked at his Google search box and tentatively thought about how would I even find this out. And then three and a half weeks later, watching him present with statistics and charts to back up his proposals and talking about, you know, and all the things that he knew because he'd done the research, um, pretty powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked just like a Hawkins kid, didn't he? Yes, he did. He totally, absolutely. Why wouldn't he? Kids are kids, right? Um, Exactly, exactly. And what you're speaking to is exactly what I knew could happen. The thing that I was concerned about, and I shared this with you after we had committed, you know, I was kind of doing an assessment and trying to cover all the possible fires that might come up. I was concerned that my students, since they're only here from that short period of time, three to 45 days, I thought that that was going to be a challenge because they are required to work in these groups that you're talking about. And so I was concerned twofold. One, um, will there be enough time for them to do that type of bonding in order to have this group formation, um, in order to work together and feel though they're a member of a team? And then secondly, you know, my students, like I said before, are here because of anger issues and trust issues, et cetera. And are they going to be able to bond with another student that has those same type of issues in a small setting and have that that whole team responsibility feeling towards people that, you know, or are in the same kind of situation they are with emotional issues? And I I was shocked. I remember that first video, I thought that if you look back on the first video of the first meeting that we have where I'm explaining to the students about this is what we're going to do and this is going to be great and you're going to love it. And they're just kind of looking at me like, uh, and one of the kids are like, are we going to get a grade for this? You know? (laughs) Yeah, completely. (laughs) They couldn't, they couldn't have been less interested or engaged. Oh my goodness. And then the last day they didn't want to leave. They were like, we've never done anything like this. This is so great. You know, it's like, I wish I could have showed them that at that first day, like you won't believe how excited you'll be about this, you know, but, but then I had to think too, you know, maybe their attitude was just similar to mine when I was driving up to Cleveland, like, here we go again. Here's another lady that's going to tell me it's fun. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So, so here are these students who've been through this experience where they had, uh, they were taught in a completely different way and mm-hmm. had to do a bunch of research, had to, had to do quantitative analysis, did a lot of communications, et cetera. Do you believe 
they having gone through that kind of education, that that will impact their performance on the tests that you were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Um, Interesting enough, each one of the students that come through the program, we have these counseling sessions with them and we ask them why, you know, and a lot of students that you'd be surprised that aren't doing that well academically are not because of choices, because they don't care about the teacher. They don't like the teacher. So therefore, they're going to punish the teacher by not doing the work, you know, or, you know, it was a test. I didn't feel like taking the test that day or I showed up late. You know, or I just went and filled in C's down the Scantron because I just wanted to get out of there, you know. And so once they find something that they like and they understand the why behind it, the performance is right following it. You know, them being able to let, for example, that student you were talking about, the young man that was asking the questions. He said that he's never been asked to do anything academically before to be a leader. And, you know, he was he's a he plays sports at his school and he was good at sports. But as before he when he was at his home school, he was never seen as an academic leader. He wasn't someone that would have been chosen to be a part of a special program. Um, even the, the smallest things like the field trips, you know, we went and we took four field trips for this activity. And kids that traditionally, you know, get in trouble at schools aren't the ones that get to go on field trips. (laughs) Well, and and the important part thing about those field trips is that this curriculum and these methods uh, have Mm -hmm. students working with real people outside the classroom, whether they physically leave the classroom or they're, you know, emailing and Skyping from the classroom. They're getting out and connecting in the real world, and it gives them a type of substantive confidence, I think. Yes, and I would say even the business partner um, field trips that we did when we went out to see our business partner yep. and his business powerful, but also them being going out, and we did two field trips where they interviewed people in their community yep. that was around and them being able to walk up to an adult and present themselves and ask questions that built a whole nother level of confidence. Yeah. And they had to, before they went out, they had to think about what, why are we going to do an interview, do interviews? What are we, what kind of research do we need that this will help? And they had to plan it and they had to get wrap their heads around um, what it means to interview well and do some research even before they went out. Yeah. Okay. So this, you, you're, you're doing this, you're piloting this crazy, radically weird sort of method and program. Right. And you're in a, you're in a public school. Um, is this something that public schools can do or is this so weird that you think it's only someone as uh, brave as you and it's a one-off? What do you think? Is, is, is this something as people who are listening and they're in public schools and thinking, yeah, but we can't do that here. We're too worried about the tests and we have too many standards. What do you think this says for public schools? Well, I know because I've been an administrator. I've been a high school principal and a middle school principal for many years. And what I know is that running this pilot under the conditions that I ran this pilot was probably the worst case scenario yeah. for a public school. It was, as, it was basically <laughs> the biggest challenge I've ever taken on. <laughs> and because I've done other public schools. Think about, yeah, because yeah, think about the variables. Most public schools, students aren't there for just 45 days. Kids right. are 
transient in public schools, but they're there for longer period than that. <laughs> I yeah, mean, generally. Absolutely. So we were we knew that we were dealing with kids without the best attendance. Also, um, I didn't I don't know if I spoke to the fact that we didn't take kids out of the pilot based off of grades or ability level. So we grouped into this pilot students on various grade levels so that like there was kids there that probably was on the eighth grade level. And then we had a couple of really bright kids that were on the senior level, you know, but they were all together in one group. And anybody that's a public school teacher knows that that's like yeah. <laughs> very challenging in order to have that many different grade levels and ability levels in one group. And then also most times in a classroom to get a student that's expelled from a classroom, that's an outliner. And so it's not something, you know, that's happening every day, unlike what you may see on TV. I mean, you don't usually get three or four kids that are doing expellable incidents in your room in one right. day. Right. So, but entire group was built off of students that it did something within, you know, not a long time ago, just like maybe the week prior or yeah. two weeks prior. Yeah, exactly. All the volatile incident, you know, so. All those yep. kids, your entire school is those kids, right? Exactly. And so you're dealing with bad attendance, you're dealing with kids that are on various academic levels, and you're dealing with discipline issues. Yeah, and kids who are completely and totally disenfranchised about school and learning. These are not kids who like school. No, they don't like school, and they just have been uprooted from all their friend base. That's the other thing. You know, they don't know, when they started this pilot, they were only in this building for maybe a day or two prior. And so they're in a completely new environment. So they don't have their friends around. They don't have their families close. You know, they were bussed in to this environment, you know, from their home school. So and administrator, they, you know, I'm not their um, homeschool principal. So they're dealing with somebody that has authority over them that they just met. And so all of those challenges those aren't typical of a regular public school. You may be dealing with some of one or two of those things on various levels, but for this pilot that was wildly successful, we had all of those variables happening simultaneous. And the staff, too, that hadn't felt success in a long time. We didn't really talk about that, but my staff, they just got me. I was a new administrator to this uh, building at that time. I had only been with them for like a month or two and they had had a tough time with the previous administration. So that's another variable that happens a lot in public schools, you know? Yep. So it's not like, even though, you know, I really appreciate you saying that I'm fabulous. Um, and you are, but they didn't know I was fabulous at the time. They just met me. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there, so there you have these teachers who are learning a completely different way of teaching and doing right. it. From a completely new person. (laughs) Yeah, from a completely... A white woman, by the way, from, you know, fancy school in Cleveland, right? Right. So if someone were to tell you, and if someone is listening to this right now that is thinking, you know, I'm in a public school and I can't do that. I'm telling you, I did that under all of those variables compounding together and we were successful. So I just think it's a matter of going into it again from the very beginning, going into it with the idea that you want to change, you want to do something different and rolling it out in a way that fits your school. Like how we did it, we didn't do it like you did it in Cleveland. We did it to fit our school. 
you know, yep. so, you know, we changed our schedule. We did it um, for um, the pilot in a shorter period of time than your students did it there. Yep. Um, we did it again all the way down to ninth graders. Um, and yours was in a 12th grade class, correct? Yeah. Um, so we, we did it to make it fit how we wanted it to fit. So, right. And that's, that's really important because this isn't about, oh, this is this class. Uh, right. Can we do the class elsewhere? It's about a complete set of academic systems methods for doing yeah. academics completely differently. So it can be an entrepreneurship class or it can be an high, entire high school of interdisciplinary courses of all types. Absolutely. So when you, when you, you've told me that you're spreading this across the rest of your school and uh, talk about that. And the district yeah. wants to spread this. Talk a little bit about that. So the really cool thing about the um, this program is that kids come to this program from all over the district, right? And so at any given time, I could have a representation of 30 schoolhouses here in my program if I have 30 kids because they're all from different schoolhouses. Yeah. So when the kids left the program, even the ones that weren't directly participating in it, when they went back and talked to their other kids and their teachers about the program, the word spread like wildfire. You know, I had, <laughs> it was so funny. I had a parents calling saying they wanted their kids to come and participate in the entree program. And I was like, your kid hasn't been suspended or expelled from school. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Can I get expelled so I can, yeah, can I, I can learn something? That's funny. Right, right. So the principals, they, so those parents, you know, they went back and they've been talking to the principals and the principals um, have been talking to me about, you know, I want this for my school. That's great. And definitely what I was telling you about those variables, you know, our top performing schools, they don't have those variables. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. It's going to be a little easier for them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they can they can control their environment and their student population and their teaching populations a lot more than I can. Um, so, and there, there's also that trust, you know, even though I'm a part of this program, like I said, in this district, I've been um, with this district for over 18 years. And so people know me and they trust me and they know that if I said something, you know, that it works and give it a try and I'll help you, then they'll, they're willing to listen uh, because I've sat in their shoes and I know what it feels like having just another program, like I said, come through the doors that I have to do that I don't necessarily agree with. Yeah. So I think that, that that's really key. And I would say that for anybody that's thinking about um, doing this program, you, you should really start with the building administrator. Whom is going to be exciting those teachers? Who is going to be rolling this out? And is, if that person is open to change um, and having and me, you had those conversations about my teachers and we were yeah. talking about whom we best, you know, to um, be the best person in order to try the pilot. You know, we really spend a lot of time listening to them um, talk about it. And I listened, you know, kind of at the water cooler, what they were saying about it and how they felt about it and being strategic about whom you pick yeah. in order to do it. It doesn't matter if, you know, you have the best program ever. If that building administrator doesn't want to do it, yeah. then it's not going to get done. So, and it, and it is a change. It's a change. And sometimes I know, 
like top performing public schools, you know, they, they have a formula and they've been doing things that way for a long period of time and they can get set in their way. So that might not be the best place in order to try something new because that administrator might not be on board on change. So I think that that's where it starts, finding administrative te- administrator that really wants to do it, them talking to their staff and looking at their program to see how can we tailor this and make it fit into our program. Yep. And so, well, and that, and, and you're that person, that's for sure. I said, I told you I wanted to do it. Well, you we were going to do it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you did it and you're doing it. And now the rest of you're bringing the rest of your teachers and your program in, which is really exciting. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome. It, like I said, it's awesome watching the teachers, how they've changed and how they talk about just their regular classroom instruction. It has changed how we view education here. That's that's awesome. And that's a great note to, to stop. We could go on forever. Danielle, <laughs> keep on doing what you're doing. And um, I can't I can't wait to see what your what your teachers and you do next. <laughs> Thank you. Right. I appreciate all the support. You got it, Danielle. Anytime. Bye. Bye-bye. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. For more information about our training, go to wildfire-education.org.